Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'll add my greeting to Scott's greeting earlier. It's a joy to be with you. It's a joy to be here in God's house together, receiving grace upon grace from his fullness and offering to him our praise and our thanksgiving. Our opening, our, excuse me, our, our Old Testament scripture this morning is Isaiah chapter 9, a well-known passage here, predicting the coming Messiah, Isaiah Chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give it our full attention. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire for To us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In our New Testament text, Luke chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 14. Just for the context, our particular focus will be on verse 14 for the sermon. Luke 2, 1 through 14, the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray and ask that he would bless it to us now. Our great and gracious God, we pray that you would show us again the everlasting wonder of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, our Mediator and our Prince of Peace. We pray that by your eternal Spirit, you would rule in all our hearts alone. Raise us up with Christ. Build us up in Christ. Show us our Savior and refresh our hearts in faith, hope, and love. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been surprised by good news that you didn't expect? Maybe you hoped for it, but you didn't expect it would actually ever come true. This past week in our house, we finished reading to the children, uh, my wife finished reading to the children, the book Farmer Boy. Maybe you know that book. It's in the Little House series. And in the book, uh, the, the, the main character, Almanzo, he, he, he loves his father's new colt, Starlight. And he, he, he really wants a colt of his own to train and, and to, to have and, and to, to, to teach uh, and to break. Um, but, uh, but he's not old enough yet. He's not ready yet. But by the end of the book... Uh, Circumstances have it that he has the money to buy his own colt, to, to buy Starlight, this colt, from his father. And he asks his dad at the end of the book, can I buy the colt? His dad says, no. And his world, right, just turns all sad. But then he keeps listening to what his father is saying. His dad says, I'm going to give him to you. Right? And he's just, everything is just suddenly well and, and, and good and, and, and full of joy. He's stunned by this joy. He had hoped for, for this, but he didn't hope for something this good, this, this wonderful, um, delighted by it. Loved ones, as we, as we come to the story of the angels singing to the shepherds uh, that night in Bethlehem, uh, we should react in something of the same way, but, but so much more. Because the news that the angels bring to us should strike our ears and stun us with, with joy because, because God Himself has sent them with a message to a sinful people of glory to God and peace on earth. These marvelous words. That, that this should be what God would say. Of all the things that God could command His host of angels to go to the shepherds and say, that He would have them say this. Glory to God. Peace on earth. What, what, what wonderful words. What, what, what amazing words. What better words could we have hoped for with our sin-swamped lives and dark world than to hear this glorious message breaking out from the angelic choirs from our God. Glory to God and peace on earth. We've been looking at the songs here uh, in the opening chapters of Luke's Gospel. Four songs in two chapters where Luke under the inspiration of the Spirit, hits pause on the story and says, let me tell you what this means. 
We looked, at, we looked at Mary's song, how she is rejoicing in God. The Lord is the one who, who lifts up the lowly, who, who, who looks out for the humble, the poor, uh, the, the nobodies, and by His saving grace, he, he redeems them. And she worships. And we looked at Zechariah's song and his joy in seeing the sunrise of salvation, that, that God had sent a Savior at last to redeem His people. This morning, we take up this third song, the Song of the Angels. This, uh, this glorious message of glory to God and, and peace on earth. There are two parts to the angel's song, and we'll look at them both in turn. So first of all, glory to God. This is how their song begins. Glory, glory to God. They, uh, the angels grab our attention, and they lift it up to heaven. They sing glory to God in the highest. What, is it, what does it mean? First of all, it means that God has fully and finally revealed His glory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Where do, you, where do you see who God is most clearly, most beautifully? You see it on a starry night sky, right? You look up on a dark night and, and the stars are just scattered all over that, that dark sky and it's, it's stunning to see. You can see it... Um, in a beautiful sunset. You, you, can, you can hear the glory of God in a, in a beautiful piece of music. Or you can, you can know something of the, of, of the love of God as you, as you feel the love of a child or a spouse or a, or a parent. You can, you can know these things about the goodness and the glory of God. You can read about the glory of God, can't you? All through the pages of the Old Testament. And all the, the stories, right? Uh, the, the, the power of God as He saves His people from Egypt. The glory of God as He delivers uh, His people, brings them into a promised land and provides for them so, so well. You can marvel at all that God has done and said and promised over and over through the pages of the Old Testament. But where do you see it? Who He is most clearly? It's in Christ, Jesus J.C. Ryle writes this. He says, Now is come the highest degree of glory to God by the appearing of His Son, Jesus Christ, in the world. So of all the places you see God's glory, here's where you see it best. Here's where you get the clearest, most accurate, and most stunning picture of the glory of who God is. If you look at what the angels are saying, though, in the context of what we read right before what the angels said, it's a little bit striking that they'd be saying this. Glory to God in the highest. What are they singing about? What, what's just happened that, gives them rise, that makes them sing the glory of God has come in its fullest, clearest form? A baby's been born. A little baby in a manger. Um, it's, it's surprising, the juxtaposition of these two events, isn't it? Uh, that, that first we're told of this, this poor woman, Mary, her poor betrothed, and they're in this place where there's no place for them in the end. They're not allowed to go in uh, for one reason or another. And, and this poor little baby is born and placed in a, in a manger. He has no, when he's born, he has, no, he has no place to lay his head. And as he'll say, when he grows up, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And when he dies and he's buried, he's buried in a straight, someone else's tomb, a borrowed, a borrowed tomb. He has no, 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 no home here, no, no rest here, no, no, uh, no welcome here. Um, com- compare that, right? This little baby being born in the poorest of circumstances with, I don't know, 
Moses parting the Red Sea and the Egyptian army racing in after them and the waters crash down and there's judgment and salvation all at once. Right? What looks more glorious? What's, what's more impressive? The angels are singing because it's the birth of this boy. That's the most impressive because of who he is. Listen to what the angel says in verse 11 about this child. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The name that the angel uses for Jesus there is, um, is striking. It's, it's used nowhere else in the New Testament in quite the same way. In the Greek, it doesn't say Christ the Lord, but just Christos Kurios, Christ Lord. It's, it's the title of, of this one who is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior who was promised, and the one who is Lord, God, Yahweh, come down in the flesh. The one who is both at the same time, the Christ, the Savior, and Lord God himself. And this is, this is why the, the angels are singing, because God himself is now here with his people to save his people. This is something new. This is something wonderfully new. God, God yes, Look through the pages of the Old Testament. He's, he's been there with his people. He's, he's always been God with us, present with his people to save them and to be their help and their strength and their salvation. But now, it's something new. He's come in the flesh. He's taken on a, a human nature, become like us in every respect except sin. He's become a real baby and he's going to grow into a real boy. And he's going to grow into a real man. And you could sit down with him and, and eat with him. You could have a piece of furniture in your house that, that he made. You could, you, could, you could talk with him and hear his voice. God became man. And he did it to show us all that God is. And so as you look at Jesus in the New Testament, you see all that God is contained in him. All that God is, he is. Jesus says in John 14, verse 9, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3, He is the, the radiance, the, the brightness, the effulgence of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. So the angels are singing because Jesus reveals God. He's the brightness of the glory of God. Because he is God himself and he reveals to us all that God is. And, and, and what does he reveal about God to us? He reveals the grace of God. He reveals the love of God. He reveals the power of God. He reveals the holiness of God. All that, all that God is, he shows us with such stunning clarity and beauty. Why is this good news for us, loved ones? Why is it good news and why are the angels singing that Jesus has come to show us God? It's because if we don't see who God is, we are completely without hope. If God does not draw near to us, reveal himself to us, and show himself to us, then we're blind. We're cut off from the one who's our source of life and, and, and blessing. Uh, we can't enjoy his grace. We can't enjoy his truth. And we can't be saved. Jesus himself says in John seventeen three, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, 
whom you have sent. This is why the angels are rejoicing in worship and, and glory to God. So this is, the, this is what the first, the first aspect of what the angel's song means. Glory to God. The glory of God has been revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. Fully, finally. Um, the second part of what it means, though, glory to God, is that even as we see the glory of God revealed so fully and clearly in Christ, we need to respond to it. We, we need to join with the angels in their song, worshiping him. This, this, this part of the angel's song tells us what the point of it all is. The point of Christ's coming, the point of the Incarnation, the point of Christmas is the glory of God. He's revealed Himself that we might, that we might praise Him. This has been the theme that has run through all of these songs that we've been looking at in Luke's Gospel. Uh, how, how does Mary's song start? The Magnificat. Right, what, what does she sing? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices and God my Savior. She starts with worship and praise. Glory to God in the highest. She's singing in, 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 in much the same words. Um, and then she goes on to tell us why. Zechariah's song. How does his song start? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Praise, worship, glory to God in the highest. The, the same theme in his song as well. And then he goes on to tell us why. And then here comes the angel's song. Glory to God in the highest. And then there'll be Simeon's song next. And the, int- the introduction to his song, it says, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and blessed God. He praised God. This is the, this is the dominant theme. This is, this is the point of, of all of it. The ultimate purpose for Christ coming to be born and to die for our sins is so that we might worship God. If we don't worship God, therefore, we miss the whole point. If we don't hear the gospel and see Christ and respond with exuberant, joyful, heartfelt worship to God, we're missing it. John Calvin writes, Rather sharply and incisively, he says this. When we, uh, what then would be our obstinacy if we refused to join with the choir of angels in singing the praises of our salvation which is in Christ? We are convicted of more than brutal stupidity if our faith and our zeal to praise God are not inflamed with the song which the angels sang. He goes on, to whatever extent anyone is excited by his knowledge of grace to celebrate the glory of God, such is the extent of proficiency in the faith of Christ. In other words, he's saying, the measure of your joyful worship to God is the measure of your understanding of the gospel and the measure of your, your faith in Christ. Give glory to God. Join with the choirs of heaven in exuberant praise. So this is what the angels open their song with, and this is what they call us to do. Glory to God. Give glory to God for the Christ who's come. But in the second part of their song, and that's where we turn now, peace on earth, the second part of their song, they, they flesh out for us all the more reason why we should give glory to God. And that's where I want to turn uh, our attention now. It's our second point, peace from God. Second part of the angel's song. Brothers and sisters, these words, were there ever such welcome words as what they say? Peace on earth. God 
the holy God of heaven, has come with his angels above the skies of Bethlehem. And the text calls it a host of angels. A host is an army. It's this, it's this innumerable heavenly army. What do you expect from an army of angels coming in the heavens with bright glory? What do you expect? War, judgment. But instead, God sends them to say, peace on earth. The peace that they announce here, loved ones, is the richest and fullest kind of peace. There are four aspects to it I want to draw out and press home to our hearts by the, by the Spirit, Lord willing. Uh, the first is this. The first part of the peace that the angels proclaim to us is peace with God. Peace with God himself. This is the first and the most foundational aspect of what, the, of what God is telling us through the angels. He's saying, I'm coming to give you peace with me. Um, we, uh, we're, we're born in the world to know God. We're, we're born to love him, to have a relationship with him. But at the same time, we're born cut off from him, estranged from him and under, under his wrath. As Paul writes in Ephesians, by nature, we are children of wrath. We broke God's law in Adam, our first, uh, our first father. We, we fell in our sin and we have been storing up wrath ever since by our sin. And from the very beginning of Genesis, right from, from chapter 3 on, God is at war with a sinful humanity. And you can see it, that war breaking out at certain points with just terrible uh, 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 wrath, right? Noah's flood or Sodom and Gomorrah or the conquest of the promised land, these moments where the wrath of God, the very just, holy wrath of God against sin, breaks out for a moment against, against, uh, against sinners. And, and of course, we, we see it also in just the ongoing curse of our mortality and death. Um, but then God makes a promise. Isaiah 9, as we read earlier, the Prince of Peace is going to come. To bring peace. And as he says in Isaiah 40, God says, I will bring comfort, comfort, comfort my people. The warfare is ended. Uh, and that's what's being brought to pass with our Lord Jesus Christ. God comes and declares peace. Why, why can he declare peace? Why, why does the coming of Jesus mean peace with God? Well, Because Jesus came to take the wrath of God for our sins. The, we, we can't have peace with God unless there's payment for sin made. And so God gives his own son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to come and and to take the wrath that that, that should have been on us. And he bears it for us. And he also comes to give us his righteousness. We, We need to be forgiven of all our sin. We also need to be counted right with God, righteous before him. And Jesus comes and and he lives this life of just flawless obedience, never for a split second. Does he waver in his emotions or his thoughts or his words or his actions to perfectly obey God's whole law? Just perfect obedience. And and he came to win that and earn it to give it to you so that you can have peace with God. So that you can stand before God and all your sin can be not just shuffled under the rug but 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 gone all your guilt gone clothed with the righteousness of Christ forever 
And so God can welcome us to himself and, and, and not consume us with his holiness at the same time, but welcome us into his holiness and into the embrace of his steadfast love. This is what the angels proclaim. Peace with God. Now, brothers and sisters, how do you, how do you get that? Notice what they say. Um, this peace isn't just automatically given to everyone. The rest of their song, uh, uh, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. So you've got to be one of those with whom God is pleased to get this. Well, how do you do that? Well, you simply ask him. You simply get on your knees, humble yourself, and cry out for his mercy. Hebrews tells us that we please God only by faith, not, not by our works, simply by looking to Jesus Christ and asking him. So go to him. Lord, give me peace with you for Christ's sake, for his righteousness clothing me, for his sacrifice offered for my sins. Give me peace. That's the first part of the peace that Jesus brings us. And that's the first part of the peace the angels sing to us about on that night in Bethlehem. There's another part, though, a second part to this peace. It's peace with ourselves, if we want to put it that way. It's the peace that flows out of peace with God. Um, what happens to your heart when you know that God has forgiven all your sins and counted you righteous apart from anything you do in Christ alone? What, what happens to your heart? What happens to your, your conscience when, when, when you know the blood of Christ washing it clean? Uh, what happens to the shame you've carried for so long when you know, when you know that Christ has, has taken it all away? When, when you know this, brothers and sisters, it, 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 it washes these things away. It, it cleanses you and it, and it makes, starts making you whole inside. You stop making excuses for yourself. You stop accusing yourself. And you rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and the peace that He brings. There's, you, don't, you don't get peace in your heart without first having this peace with Him. What happens also when, when you know that because you have peace with God and your relationship with God is, is right again, that your whole life is lived out under the wise and loving care of a Father in Heaven. That all the circumstances around you in your life are circumstances that your loving Father is using for your good. Because this is what threatens our, 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 our feeling of peace so much of the time, isn't it? The circumstances around us, suffering that happens, uh, just the, the chaos that can seem to go wrong in our lives. But, but when your heart is resting in the fact, God loves me and I have peace with God and everything in my life is, is for my good, then what happens? Philippians 4, 7 says the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. It, it will guard your heart and mind when you've got this peace with God from all the chaos of the disruptive providences around you because you know not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my Father in heaven who loves me and sent Jesus to give his life for me. As our Heidelberg Catechism puts it so well. So Jesus gives us this wonderful peace with God. He offers this to us. Do you want this peace? In your heart. You want your heart and your mind guarded by the peace of God. It's found here in Jesus Christ, nowhere else. Third, another aspect of this peace, and one we should not forget, brothers and sisters, 
What happens to your relationships when you have peace with God? And peace in your own heart, knowing you're forgiven. What, what happens to your relationships? What happens to the jealousy and the rivalry and the bitterness and the selfishness that is so dominant and operative in so many of our relationships with other people? What happens to that selfish, bitter, jealousy, rivalry in your own heart? And what happens to the jealousy you're on the receiving end of from that relationship with another sinner? Well, Jesus brings forgiveness. When you've got peace with God, then you can start having peace with other people too. Knowing that all my sins are forgiven. It's okay if, if that person, I wish they would forgive me, but, but, but I know God has forgiven me. Or you can say, I, I know they've sinned against me, but because God in Christ forgave me of so much, I'll forgive them. The Apostle Paul writes in the letter to the church in Ephesus, a church which is made up of Jews and Gentiles, historically don't get along so well, but they've come together in this church in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes to them in Ephesians 2.14, he says, for he himself, he's talking about Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Paul is saying to them, because of Jesus Christ, because you've got peace with God through Christ, you can now have peace with each other. You're, you're, you're not two anymore. You're one with this, this sweet and precious gospel binding you together with Christ being your mediator as well. This Prince of Peace working peace into, into your relationships. Brothers and sisters, it is only because of Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ that we can have peace with God, peace in our hearts, and peace in our relationships too. Fourth aspect of this wonderful peace that is promised to us in the text. It is peace that covers the whole world. So far, we've been talking about the peace that's being announced here in, in very personal terms, sweet and precious terms, but they're personal, they're, they're small in scope. Me, my life, relationship with the Lord and others, and the wonderful peace Jesus brings to me. But the peace that the angels are announcing is, is bigger. It includes that, but it, it's, it's bigger. It's, it, it's cosmic in scope. It encompasses everything. Um, we live in this world that is so scarred with, with sin and suffering. Um, you can see it. Turn on the news, watch for 10 minutes, and, uh, and you've got your fill, right? To convince you of, of just the utter sinfulness and misery of the world. The terrorism, the shootings, the pandemics, all, all of it. And then there's the other accidents in our lives, the, the, just, the, just the, the, the tragedies that feel random. Why, 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 why that, Lord? Um, a world that is struggles, you know, just with plane crashes and car crashes and, and, and accidents. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? All these things are, are the groaning of this creation under the curse of our sin. But then God comes and he says, peace on earth. And he means all of it. The Bible's concept of peace is captured well by the Hebrew word shalom, right? the, the sense of wholeness, 
Not just that there's a ceasefire and the war is declared over, but that all the wounds of the war are healed and all the trauma of the war is healed. Right? It's, it's this perfect wholeness, this healing, this, this complete well-being where there's not even a shadow of a threat of anything ever going wrong. That, that, that's the peace that the angels are announcing here. It's, a, it's the kind of peace that reaches through death, encompasses death itself, and reaches beyond that. And that's what Christ is, is for us. He is the one who brings in the kingdom of peace. He's the prince of peace. As we read in Isaiah 9, his, his kingdom of peace will not end. We can struggle to believe this. It was 2,000 years ago, or, and counting, that the angel said, peace on earth. And it hasn't happened yet, has it? There's, there's still all of these things that have gone wrong and, and, and all, these, uh, all these scars from sin and, and, and the troubled conscience and the relationships with others that still break down and selfishness and this world around us that's still in the grip of, of, of suffering. Um, why? Well, the answer is that Christ has begun His reign of peace. He did it Himself by, by, by first suffering the wrath of God and, and dying for our sins and then rising from the dead. And, and he's, he's not going to stop until it's done, until, until all of the peace that He's promised is brought to pass. He's, he's begun His kingdom. His promise to us is that He's going to consummate it, that He'll, that he'll finish it as well. Um, he, he, he's risen from the dead and He's reigning in heaven itself. And so, brothers and sisters, hold fast to that guarantee. That's a, that's a, that's a certain promise. That the peace that he has begun will be completed. Revelation 21, verse 4 promises us this. It says, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what Christ has accomplished, and this is what he is going to work out in the rest of history when he comes again. He will bring it to pass, that perfect peace. Loved ones, in the light of that promise, we can take such hope now and have such courage now as we wait for Him, as we mourn and wait and long for His appearing. We can live in the light of the promise of His peace. Brothers and sisters, the only place you can find this peace is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God peace in your own heart and conscience, peace with others, peace even in the suffering of this fallen world as we wait for the final coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, loved ones, this is what God, through the angels, tells us the birth of Christ is for. This is what lies at the heart of, of Christmas, at the heart of the Gospel. It's glory to God in the highest. Here we see the glory of God in its fullest, clearest, most beautiful uh, manifestation. Here, here, we, here we see the call to worship Him. Here we, here we see His peace that He holds out to us, that He purchased for us, that He gives us when we come to Him by faith. So, come to Jesus Christ. Rest in the peace that He gives and lift up your voice with the voice of the angels. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray glory to your name.
in the highest. We rejoice in the peace that You've given. We rejoice in the Gospel that You've given us in our Savior. We pray that You would, uh, that you would refresh us and strengthen us and stir up our hearts in faith in all these great and precious promises in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.